This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Dive into the mind of Brett Boone as we turn to the baseball legend to find out what's happening in his life and around Major League Baseball. This is Turning Two with Booney. Here's your host, Rich Herrera. It's time once again for Turning Two with Booney. I'm the executive producer of the Boom Podcast, Rich Herrera. I join Brett every Friday as we talk about the week that was, what's going on with Brett's life, what he's watching, and everything else under the sun. So, Brett Boone, welcome to your own podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Rich. It's a pleasure, uh, an honor, an honor. I haven't seen you in a bit. It's been a minute. Huh? We'll, we'll be spending some time together here. Uh, yeah, but I just weeks. You look different. <laughs> Well, you, how do I look different? You look like a fat ass. Have you put on weight? Oh my goodness! I put on a few pounds. We had a we had a rough we had a rough stand. I went up to Seattle. Mike Tice uh, has a tournament, and I went up there. And I'll tell you what: the the food got the better of me. I've never eaten that much in a in a in a charity golf event. But he was talking about Mike's a big guy. He right, said Booney, you should. Who we've had on the podcast before. Yeah, wait till you see the food I got set up for this trip, and uh, whatever. I mean, I've done a thousand charity events, uh, golf events, but he had about five stations set up throughout the course. I've eaten a lot of hot dogs, Rich, in my day, and I, he had a hot dog stand that he had. He said he loves hot dogs, and they never do it right at a tournament. They always have tacos and this, right. And he said, I'm having a hot dog stand. And it was the best hot dog I've ever had. And then I came back and I had another one. And we were just getting started. That was that was after I had a half a bagel, a burrito. We went to the hot dog. We had two. Three holes later, it was the surf and turf sliders with the shrimp burger. Then we went to the Philly cheesesteak pasta dish. Uh then we had the traditional uh, street tacos. Had two right. of those. Two of those. There was something else we had. Anyway, we get to the we get we finish the round. Come in. There's a buffet. I can't even eat. So I just eat. So I had a couple quesadillas and a cookie on the way out the door. Got back to my place. I was tired. I was taking a nap. And then I decided to go have a French dip and French fries. You know so, you did not. Yeah, I did. So. For Rich, you know me well. That's completely out of my no. I got to explain to folks. I, I'm a food guy. I love food. I just have discipline. But folks, Brett calls me when he gets back to his hotel room. Oh, 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 I 
My stomach hurts. <laughs> oh, I can't believe how much I ate. And I said, well, what's going on? They're, they're having the dinner downstairs. Yeah, did you eat? No, I ate too much out there. And then we start talking. And, and you folks, whenever Brett and I talk about food during the week off the podcast, all he does is chastise me about how much I eat and how fat I am. And he tells me I'm a fat ass. I'm like, boom, that's like, that's a daily intake of Herrera. And he goes, but I'm still hungry. And I, and, and we said, well, why don't you go get a Monte Cristo sandwich, fat ass? Why don't you, why don't you go get a, why don't you go get a French dip or something? Why don't you go, why don't you go get a hamburger? Well, it's called Rich. It's called the difference between you and me is it's called having money in the bank. And I don't mean the <laughs> currency. Uh, um, currency is, is our training techniques, our, our daily intake of what we right. eat on a, on a regular basis. So I have the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What kind of metabolism? Lu I have the luxury of You're having luxury. Days, like, days like that. Cause I come home and I get right back on the fish. My metabolism. I think it's, it's, Middle America. It's, okay. I'm, I'm normal. I don't have a great metabolism. I don't have a terrible metabolism. I think I've got a normal 54-year-old man metabolism. The only way you control your metabolism is what you eat. You got to get rid of salt and sugar. Right. And it cleans out your system. So when you do that, you're you're running like a 20-year-old. However, so, I don't completely clean it out like I used to. I still like my my candy. Right. That's your... That's your uh, what is your... What that's is my your, vice. What's your kryptonite? Which candy? Uh, there's a couple uh, right now. Right now, it, it's the traditional sweet tarts, the hard ones in the right. round tube. Uh, Swedish fish. Swedish fish is Swedish the one fish. that is your is your kryptonite. Uh, I got one right now. Um, um, the the <laughs> the cinnamon bears are killing me right now. I oh. found them. They're at uh, not Whole Foods. They're at Sprouts. Okay. And and you can go into the barrel and you you know how they weigh it. Right. <laughs> so I got to be it's perfect for me though cuz then I then I can only take a certain amount. If you buy them at the grocery store, it's it's, it's like right. And I can't buy the bigger bag because I will eat every single one. So I have to I have to control myself so I only buy a, a few of them. But When's the last time you had a potato chip? Like a bag of Lay's potato chips. A bag? Uh Long time ago, but well, occasionally oh, there's chips around the house. Right. With the, I'll, right. I'll, I'll have a handful here and there. When's the last time you oh, went oh, through oh, McDonald's oh. just to get an order of French fries? Long time, long time. But I'm not like I used to be. When I was playing, I was I was a fanatic. Uh, now that I'm getting a little bit older, I don't need to be in shape. I don't need, I, I, I don't need to be in tip, 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 top shape. I don't need to be on the cover of any magazine. I'm just trying to hold serve. So Folks, I'm, I'm rolling I, my eyes. I don't want to be, I can't. Here's my patented line to people. There's nothing worse than being short and fat. <laughs> and I'm already not the tallest. That's true. That's there, true. Uh, there we Folks, go. I, I will tell you though. If Brett goes on vacation and he comes back, he's just whining to me as he gets back. Oh, I ate too much. I'm so fat. Um, it's it's pretty funny listening to Brett talk about how fat he is. Right, but but then I I stop. I catch myself because that's a woman thing, you know. Women are well, always, but, oh, but you oh, can oh, say it to me because I'm I am. Oh, I'm so fat. No, no, no. Kids. But you always tease me how fat I am. Right, but that's real fat. Yeah, I've earned it. I'm fake fat. It's true, but just just to just to give the insight to the Boone podcast family, what does Brett Boone eat on a typical day? 
oatmeal every morning, maybe an egg, hard-boiled egg. Uh, an oatmeal. Orange roughy or tilapia and a steamed vegetable for lunch, maybe uh, some brown rice. And then now, um, anything my wife will cook me. Right. And she's a really good cook, and she's very aware health, of health conscious. Uh, she's an organic this and organic that. However, I do tell her uh, sometimes when something tastes too good, it, it, anything that tastes that good can't be that good for you. There's <laughs> always a secret. You know, that's why when you're really training, and that's why I have so much respect for the bodybuilders. Uh, not right. You know, there's there's people frown upon bodybuilders, this and that. I know this. It's the most disciplined art form. I don't know if we call it a sport, but it's the most disciplined occupation out of anything out there. What those guys go through from a dietary standpoint is off the charts. And they don't do it for a week. They don't do it for 21 days. These guys do it. Once they start training, they have different different cycles they go to. Cycles, pardon the pun. But they'll go six weeks where they're, you know, they're, they're carb loading. And then when they're getting ready for a big competition, I mean, it's six, eight weeks of hardcore. And I'm talking not fall out of line for one second, not right. have a potato chip, not have a sip of orange juice. No, it's by the tea discipline. Uh, and I found that kind of training. It, 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 it makes your mind stronger. That's I what I did when I, when I played, I, I have always been a gym rat. I love it. But it's not, I trained my mind because if I can stay that discipline, if I can stay away from things that I love, if you can give up something you love, some people it's smoking, some people it's drinking. If you can give that up, you're stronger in the mind and that helps you on the field. Does that okay. make sense? I wonder who would be able to survive longer if we switch diets. If you ask me to eat oh, I, or because, anybody else. Oh, you yeah, know, I, I would survive longer. No. Yeah, you couldn't go on my. If I gave you a real diet, 21 days, I got to clean your system right. out, Rich. 21 days, hardcore. That means zero cheating, none, zero, right, nil. Right. You wouldn't make it three days. I don't think you could make it on my diet. Why? Because I'd be making myself sick, but it'd be yeah. fun. It'd, it'd be, be fun, though. You get up in the morning and have an Egg McMuffin. Oh, I love them. I, I love all these same foods you do, by the way. I love yeah. them. I love so, I love pizza. I love yeah, anything. I have That's seen any pizza, folks. I love when I go on vacation. I, I yeah. I you, me, and Riggs had diet. pizza in uh, Scottsdale a couple years ago. Correct. Right. Correct. Um, I love it. I'd love to see you eat an egg McMuffin. I like to see you I go to Burger egg King. Egg. I love it. Uh, last McMuffin. night I went to Outback, had a steak and baked potato, and That's not bad for you, though. Right. That's that's not the best. Right. I was hangry though. Any, Don't anything, you get angry? Anytime you're at a restaurant, you can't control what the chef does. You can't control what he puts on it. Right. So the only thing you can control is when you make it in your home. So let's say we go to a restaurant and say, I just want a chicken breast. Well, I don't know what's going to be on that chicken breast. Right. So I used to say back when I was playing, I want a chicken breast and I want it to taste terrible, which means tell the chef, chefs are always going to want you to come back. So they want the food to taste good. Right. I said, make it bland. That means no salt, no sugar. Don't cook it in any oil. And if I get it from the chef and it doesn't taste good, like that bland, okay, here's my chicken breast again. Boiled then chicken. I'm, then I'm eating good. Um, I would love to see you in the press box then to see what the writers eat. Oh, hot dogs. No, 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 no. It's more than that. You show up. 
two hours before the game, after batting practice is over. Right. There's a, bunch a full of fat spread. A bunch of, that's why you're a bunch yeah. of fat asses. Right. In the, so you go and the there's a big box. soda machine. Right. Have some discipline, Rich. Then, then there's a full buffet, whatever the entrees are, and a in a in a steam table full of hot dogs. And there's usually right. uh there's usually um a plate of cookies or brownies. You sit and you eat that, and then about halfway through the game, they have another serving of hot dogs. San Diego, they do chili dogs. And then uh, usually there's a, a little bit of a snack afterwards about the seventh inning. Oh, just, oh, that just, that lifestyle. I mean, it all sounds good, but, but it's just, it's all no right. Dis- it's so the no first dis- time I wrote on the charter uh, in Tampa Bay, I think it was a Tampa Bay, I wrote the charter and uh, I didn't realize that it was going to be a full service meal. So you climb, I climbed onto the charter and you know, there's two ice chest. One's got beer. The other got Gatorade and, and water, so I grab a bunch of Gatorade. <coughs> there's a um, there's Gatorade's a terrible. Could the, could there be more sugar in Gatorade? Right, right. So Why there's just, then there's a... there's a basket of candy bars. So I grab right. a couple candy bars, and then there's right. sandwiches and sun chips. So I grab some sandwiches and sun chips. Probably white bread. Yeah, and I'm and I'm, I'm mowing those down, and then they came by and. They they give you uh ask what would you like uh, appetizer so I had chicken fingers I'm like oh gosh right. I'm so full fried we, we take off and um they come by with the menu okay what would you like now and it was a cross country flight I'm like what I thought we already ate oh no 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 that was just the appetizers and snacks so now I eat a full catered meal oh god do I feel awful then after that. They come out with uh, snacks and ice cream and candy bars halfway through the flight. And uh, then we get off and they give us, uh, then we, we we grab beer as we get off the flight. I had the worst upset stomach. And I don't think I've ever been that sick because I ate so much of my life in that five-hour flight. You know what that e- you know what that lifestyle equals? What's that? That equals when you pick up your shirt in the morning, yes. there's a 3X in the collar. Boom. That's By the what way. it equals. What am I wearing today? It's a nice shirt. That's uh, breezy, by the breezy. way. Breezy, yes. Booney brought me back out. a breezy golf. My shirt. buddy, my buddy, breezy golf shirts. I'll tell you, they're they're something. At first glance, I didn't think they were my style. I put them on the way they fit. Love them. Yeah. Uh, so my guy at breezy, he, he sends them to me whenever. Uh, whenever well, I ask. you wore this when we were at the winter meetings last year. I wore a breezy. A breezy. Not not that one. That's not a new this print. One. That's a new but print. You, those you, are, those you are, are cool. I did a double take. I'm like, oh, that's kind of a cool shirt. And then you gave me one. I put it on. I'm walking around. People are like, hey, that's a cool shirt. Where'd it you is. It, they are cool. And you don't think they're cool. You, you think they're a little, ah, that's a little too much, a little outrageous. You know, look at me. I'm so crazy with my shirt. But when you put it on, they're, they're actually cool and they fit really good. So I like them. I, yeah, Boone approved. All right. Uh, Golf in Seattle was good. Brett put on five pounds. Now what he gets back, folks, this is the part where I laugh. Brett, now that you're fat, like the rest of America, what are you going to wear? Or what are you gonna what are you gonna what are you gonna eat in the next couple of days so you get back to your fighting weight by the time we get to Seattle? We'll go back to fish. I've I've had uh chicken salad the last two nights. Not chicken salad mixed with mayonnaise, chicken breast on a salad. Okay. With some with some light, light. Sometimes uh, I'll call again. I'll do that. I'll have the, you know, I had a bunch of protein shakes. I do. I'm like a chick. I, I want to, you know, the, the camera adds five pounds. You know, somewhere in black makes yeah. you look slimmer. 
and because you're uh, got but i'm, I'm uh, as much as i am kind of like a chick like Thank you Paul. you know i like to come off like i'm cool and i don't give a crap and i'm a guy i'm a guy's guy which i am in a lot of ways but i watch my figure you do so he'll call <laughs> he'll call me and go booney what are you having boiled chicken and cauliflower yeah Boiled Ugh. chicken's a great, it's a great thing. You boil I know. chicken, it's I just easy. Like to see you eat, like, it's so, easy, and then you can spice it up with some, with some I just uh, want to know how, what your, what your body would do if you actually ate like the rest of us. I'd look like everybody. <laughs> That's true. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, we're getting ready for the all-star game. You and I are going up there next week. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, that's, you know, it's been 20, uh, 22 years, uh, since the, the game was held in Seattle, the first one at Safeco now T-Mobile. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be busy as, as all get out. What are you going to be doing at the all-star game? I've got kissing babies and shaking hands and running for office meet and greets i've got the celebrity softball game right which uh as much as i think oh it's no big deal i'm, I'm kind of thinking about it like hey, I, that's I, got, I got that's televised i gotta go deep too i've got a reputation up there so yeah you you cannot pop out yeah so i'll put my jenny uh, finch ten, tendonitis sleeve on you know the old guy yeah puts me together like bionics right you so, know, I got the knee pads and or the knee, you know, for my knee. Are you gonna wear the knee brace? I wear them to the gym. My uh, oh. Krista, she she laughs at me. She's like, "You look like a geriatric guy." I <laughs> said, "Hey, this puts me together. I can get through the workout." This All way. right, so wait a minute. So you'll have the you'll have the knee brace on. You'll have the the sleeve. I got to see what kind of outfit they give me. Whether I wear the knees knees or not well, uh, with shorts, shorts. I don't. I don't know. I don't it's know. Shorts. I wanna, better, I don't know. You better have a good I, pair of shoes. I'll have the the elbow sleeve on that the current way players wear because right. I got tendonitis in my right arm just from years and years. All right, of... are we gonna get the eye black? No, I'm beyond that. Um, I don't uh, know. That's kind of your signature. I'm fifty. I'm, fi- I'm fifty four years old. But it's kind of your signature. It'd be like yeah, if Junior he, shows up and puts his cap on right. Junior will do it for a laugh, but Junior won't wear it like that all the time. He wears it forward now. He's a he's a grown mature adult. Uh, we're out of our heyday. I think there's a there's kind of an expiration period. I think if I was 44, I could pull off the eye black, but I'm 54. I'm an adult. I'm a father of four, uh, respected in the community, uh, almost a grandpa. You know, so I've got a. I don't know, Rich. Maybe I'll put it on. Depends who's there. Depends what everybody else is wearing. <laughs> All right, so you're playing. You're playing uh, Saturday at a celebrity softball game. Yeah, you're gonna do some autograph signing. We got some autograph signing, picture tape. Like I said, a lot of meet and greets. Uh, You're going to be over at the draft. 
I'll be at the draft on Sunday night. I, I got an email about that. I'm going to go over and do some press over there. Uh, see what that's what that's all about. See Seattle's first first couple picks. Um, what else we got? Uh, you're going to meet some veterans with me. We're going to meet some veterans. Charlotte's so, Web will be yeah. represented there. We're going to do. We, we've got a stage where uh, we'll do the podcast. We'll do the podcast. I'm hoping to have uh, some current Seattle players uh, and a lot of the players from 2001, the 2001 team. Eight of us were there. Um, what do you remember? Hopefully, we'll run through those through those guys. What do you remember from that All Star game? Because it was a very special All Star game. Really cool. Uh, Tony Gwynn Jr., Cal Ripken Jr., or Tony Gwynn and Cal Ripken Jr. were were honored that day. Yeah. Pretty, pretty awesome. I mean, that was a year I, I just did a, uh, an interview about that year and the whole year in Seattle. That was the year we won 116 games. It was 2001. It just so happened the All-Star game fell on that particular year. We had eight representatives from our team, which is unbelievable. We could have had 10 uh, the years that everybody was having, but it just kind of was setting up uh, to a perfect year. I mean, we, we were 15 games in front in our division, I think, at the All-Star break. Uh, like I said, well-represented in the city. The city was going crazy. I, I got to do my first home run derby. That was really special in the standing ovation I got. You know, we, we take things for granted as players when um, you play this game every day. You know, standing ovations, uh, curtain calls, they don't happen too often. Um, but to be able to to go back to that, I remember, you don't remember, I, when I come to the plate, uh, your home city, Seattle, you've had a big game, you, you get a big cheer all the time. But as players, we're kind of programmed to to push that away and, and not hear the cheers, not hear the negative as well when you go on the road. A lot of negative stuff coming your way and, and you kind of train your brain to, to be in the moment. And I remember, and probably because it was an exhibition. Um, that home run derby. And it wasn't a game situation where this counts. Uh, it was an exhibition. I was just trying to, I was just trying to save face and not embarrass myself. It was my first home run derby. I'd never done it before. I don't like hitting without the cage. Right. Uh, this is back when there were different rules. You made 10 outs. It wasn't today where the guys are hitting 40 home runs. You could, you know, to go on to the next round, it was four or five because you made an out in between. Um, but I did, I remember I did well. Not not well, but I hit three or four. I tied Sammy Sosa. I didn't embarrass myself. I hit, I think I hit a couple in the upper deck, and those balls are they're a little bit you know they're like uh, they're like pinnacle golf balls. They go a little farther than the regular ball. But that's that's all for the show. Uh, but I remember getting announced in Seattle for the home run derby, and I never heard that big a, of a of a uh, standing ovation. And it kind of kind of. You know, not that I got emotional, but I felt it and it was really cool because as players, we don't take the time to sit and really enjoy certain points in our career, certain uh, milestones. You know, I, I talk a lot about my last few uh, last few games, my last time going to Fenway Park and it was during a day game and I just was looking around and this is what a historic place. And I played so many games here and my grandpa played here and my first career home run was here. And I'm sitting there thinking this might be the last time that I go to Fenway. And I kind of looked around and soaked mm -hmm. it in and thought, wow, I've missed a lot during my career, really stopping to enjoy these moments. So uh, I remember that about Seattle. I remember Mike Cameron getting the late call uh, as an all-star and the legitimate 
sincere excitement that he had. I mean, talk about a little kid. He was like a little kid. Like he couldn't believe that he made the team. Not that he didn't deserve it numbers wise, but, but he hadn't made it regular and he was a late entry. And I remember him just for like 24 hours, he was running around doing interviews and going up and seeing his banner with his, I mean, and he, it was genuine. It was really cool. It wasn't just for, for the camera or, you know, look at me act, act excited when I'm really not. It was genuine. I mean, if you wouldn't have had a camera and just been following him around with, with hidden cameras, you would have got the same result. That was cool. I remember that. Uh, just a lot of excitement. Of course, Cal Ripken hit the home run. You know, he was right. at the very end of his career. Uh, I remember early in that game, you couldn't see very well. Uh, the sun was right on that backdrop, and we were having trouble seeing like we did a lot back then. And Cal hit the home run out of nowhere. And I said, of course, he hit the home run. That's the way it's supposed to be with that storied career, and it ends that way. It reminded me of when Derek Jeter retired, the night he retired. And Derek Jeter kind of had a signature, that base hit to right field. That was his signature. And sure enough, he comes to the plate with the game on the line and he gets a base hit to right field and walk it off. You know, let alone we don't get to walk off many games in our career, let alone it's your last game. You've told everybody it's your last game and you just happen to come up in that situation and you just happen to come through. Things like that are are kind of God shots, you know, and Cal was a God shot. That was that was what I remember about that. Tony, it was his last uh, all star game all-star game of an unbelievably storied career. So uh, nothing but fond memories. And I'm looking forward to going back up there because I wish the Mariners were doing a little bit better. So there'd be a little more excitement in the air around the the ball club in Seattle. But nevertheless, I think it's going to be a great show and the city's going to turn out pretty well, I think. Do you remember when um, Cal Ripken Jr. and they started bringing in the reserves and uh, Cal was at third base, I believe. And then well, Alex no, that Richards- was it. A- Right. That was the first inning. Cal yeah. was at Cal was at third. Right. Alex was at short. And him and him and uh Joe, Tori, um they had talked about it like we're gonna make it a spectacle. And you know, Alex got to go over it. You know, Alex likes the spotlight. He right. likes the spotlight, but he got to do it. And Cal's like, Come on, you know, don't embarrass me. Cal wasn't that type of guy. And they switched position because obviously Cal played the majority of his Hall of Fame career at short. And they switched uh Oh, another thing I forgot. Um, never in my wildest dreams, and I would never admit it because, of course, uh, Brett Boone back then, my persona, would say, of course, I'm hitting fourth. Uh, but that particular year, I was having an unbelievable year. I think I had 80, uh, 70, 80 RBIs at the break, and I was hitting three, 330 or maybe higher than that. And Joe Torrey came up to me and said, Booney, you're going to hit fourth. It was my first time starting an all-star game which is an honor, but Joe told me you're hitting fourth. And I thought, you know, I played it cool. Like, yeah, all right, whatever. But then I really realized I'm like, wow, you know, never. It was awesome to be a big leaguer. It was awesome to make your first all-star game. It's awesome to, you know, these are, these are milestones in your career. It's awesome to get your first start in an all-star game, but I was hitting fourth. And I remember, I think Manny was hitting, behind me and Alex was hitting in front of me and I'm like I'm hitting fourth of the all-star game how cool is this and Joe said Booney you deserve it this year and I thought thank you Joe and and as much as that doesn't seem like a big deal that was a really cool thing for me Alex Manny they'd probably hit fourth five times in the all-star game but I didn't and that was special to me and I I still have that card do you really uh 
yeah, I still have it. And it was uh, just a cool moment and a humbling moment because in a game that sometimes we're not very humble, uh, that, that hit me. And, and I, you know, it was, it, it was the second half of my career. I'd been around a little bit. I'd been humbled uh, a, a lot of times right? In, in the negative and in the positive. But for me, you know, I hit fourth on my own team every day that year, third or fourth. So it wasn't that big of a deal, but this was a different, this is the best of the best. And that particular year I'd earned the right to hit fourth and, and I really appreciated Joe putting me there. And, and I really soaked in that moment because, you know, I knew it was probably the last time it was going to happen. It was, but uh, really a special time. And, and, you know, it was, it was a real moment and a, and a cool moment. And I really appreciated it. That's a great story. Another great story. Um, how about this? You sent me the text last night. Herman, perfect game. Perfect game. I think there's the only athletics. I think it hasn't been done since, uh, Felix Hernandez in Seattle, I think, uh, believe 2012. And it just shows you how rare those are. You know, you hit for, you hear about guys hitting for the cycle. Uh, LAD La Cruz, the, the rookie sensation for the Reds, hit for the cycle. Those are very rare. I, I never hit for the cycle. I was close a couple of times, but close in the cycle is, is far from <laughs> completing the cycle. You know, that's like hitting three home runs and then hitting four. There's a big difference between the three home run club and the four home run club. So, um, no hitters, special enough in themselves, but perfect game. Everything's got to go right. There's a reason that there's a lapse in time between perfect games. I just thought Herman's been struggling recently for that for that Yankee ball club, and and to be perfect last night. Yes, so be it. It was against the Oakland A's, but you're on a big league field facing a big league team. Uh, he threw 99 pitches. Uh, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome moment. Have you ever seen one? Never a perfect game. I've never been involved. I was I was a part of a no hitter uh, with Chris Bazio back when I was a rookie uh, in Seattle. Uh, Bazio pitched a no hitter, and I I was I was in the lineup that night, and uh, so I've seen that. Uh, but a perfect game, no. I've seen a perfect game. I saw Dallas Braden throw one against the Tampa Bay Rays when he was in Oakland on Mother's Day. Right, and Dallas is, was Dallas was in the booth calling the game. Yeah, so. which is pretty special. Yeah. Um, take me inside the drama or the tension or maybe lack of, of what goes on as you get to that fifth inning. Uh, everything, everything you hear about, everything you read about, it's kind of true. You know, it depends who the, it all depends the personalities, depends who's on the mound, uh, the team chemistry, the team dynamic, the personalities on the team. Yes. But as a golden rule, uh, something going like that, something no hitter in the fifth, uh, you kind of don't mess with history. You don't mess okay. with the cliches of, Hey, you don't talk to the start. You don't mention it. Um, not that we think it's that big of a deal. And, and, uh, Chris Bazio, the guy I was a part of his no hitter. He's not a superstitious guy. He doesn't care if you talk about a no hitter in the middle of a no hitter, but just to stay on this, uh, on the safe side, you don't want to be that guy. We don't want to be that guy. And none of us ever were. So yes, we follow those rules. We don't talk about it. Uh, we go about our business and, and it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll still talk to our starting pitcher. If he's a guy that has that personality that talks during a game. I played with guys that on their day, when they're pitching, you know, the rules, we don't say they're in their own world. They do their thing. They warm up, they prepare. And it's just kind of it. And when they come out of the game, you have your conversation with them. Then I played with guys that are very out there and aren't like that. They come to the ballpark and they're having conversations. They talk to you during the game. It all depends who you're working with because it is that pitcher's day. He's the most important person on that team. 
and you respect uh, his wishes and how he goes about his business because the bottom line is getting the win that day. And if this is the way he goes about it and he prepares himself, then we honor that. But, uh, yeah, perfect game. Um, no hitter. Yeah, we follow those rules and kind of just don't say, hey, you know, you haven't given, when do up, you realize, given up any hits. When do you realize that it's possible? Usually somebody points it out to you. Look fifth at the inning, sixth inning. Yeah, fifth inning. Say, ooh. And now you're you're going on, uh-oh. And now everybody kind of starts to figure it out. Do you guys do do you lock down a little bit more, focus a little more? Um because you can't mess, I, I you like can't to mess think, it up. I like to think, oh, now I'm really not gonna make an error. <laughs> Which <laughs> means that, you would probably make an error because you're thinking about right. it. Right. But it it's nothing you ever think about anyway. Like I'm never gonna make an error. That's don't my hit thought. the ball to me. Please don't hit the ball to me. No, no, you don't think about that at all. It's just you you're maybe a little more hypersensitive, like Okay, if it comes upon me that I've got to make an out of a bo- out of body spectacular ESPN da 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 play. All right. right, if this if there's any time to make it, it's this game. So let's be hyper aware of that. I'm going to have to go above and beyond and maybe make a a, a play that that you normally wouldn't make or or normally attempt. So uh, yeah, th- those are the little things that creep into your mind. There's every no hitter I've ever seen, every perfect game I've ever seen. There's always one out of body experience play. That's just in a no no and and just a regular game. I always think it's interesting when they get to that point and you just watch everybody um, bear down to get those last six outs. Have you ever been no hit? No. Have you ever been been close? close, Been close a few times. Okay. So what's the tension? I think I broke up a few. Let's get a hit, damn it. I mean, that's the kind of way it is. Hey, usually in, in those games, it depends on the score of the game. The bottom line is players really don't care about no hitters. They don't care about uh, they don't care about a lot of things. Our our job every day is to win the game at all costs, and everything else is secondary. So we don't care about no hitters. If it's one nothing and we're getting no hit, who cares? It's I don't care if we get a hit. I care that we score a run and tie it up and try to win the game. Now. If it's a no hitter and it's nine to one or or it's nine to nothing, okay, now getting late, let's get a hit. Find a way to get a hit. Cause we're not going to get out of here. No hit. We're probably not going to win the game today. But now it be those secondary things like not getting a hit become important. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay, something else you don't see very often, someone hitting, getting 3,000 hits. I remember when Tony Gwynn uh, was chasing that down. Uh, right. It's kind of a magical thing. So Freddie Freeman just got hit number 2,000. 
Think he can get to 3,000? Freddie Freeman, uh, my opinion, one of the best hitters in the game today. Uh, love watching him hit. And, and there's not too many guys that I just sit back and go, that man can hit right there. Freddie Freeman's one of those guys. Uh, fundamentally, pretty darn sound. Uh, year in and year out, always putting up big numbers. Perennial all-star candidate. Uh, having another great year. And get to 2,000, I will never say. Um, to get to 3,000. I would never say you're going to get 3,000. I don't care how good you are, how good your swing is. Too many things have to go right. There's a reason not that too many people have 3,000. You have to stay healthy. He's 33 years old. So let's just put it, hypothetically speaking, uh, five years at 200 gets him to 3,000 hits. He's Then he'll be 38 years old. And how many of those years are you really going to get 200 hits? Right. Not too many. So I would say if I'm in Vegas betting – and you force me to make a bet, I'm going to say absolutely not because the percentages aren't with him. That being said, if he can stay healthy and he's probably going to have to play another seven years, that'll put him at that'll put him at 40 years old. Definitely attainable. Definitely has the skill set. Definitely has the swing to do it. Um, but I would never say the odds are in your favor to get 3,000 hits no matter how good you are. See, now you're making me think about last time I was playing craps and I'm the shooter, and some guy comes and puts money down to uh, for me not to pass, not to get my number. I always hate those guys. The bet oh, the against don't, me. the don't pass list. Yeah, I hate no. those guys. Well, I'm not going to bet either way. But you're, I'm, I'm saying hypothetical. I'm forced right. gu- gun to my head. I've got to make a bet. I got to bet against it because history says, percentages says it, it. It doesn't happen. Um. All right, we're getting towards the All Star break. We're going to do a show next week uh, with Tyler Kepner. Yes. We'll go through our, our mid-season, uh, mid-season update with Tyler Kepner from the New York Times, best-selling author. Uh, so I'll have two authors on. I'll have Brett Boone and Tyler Kepner. I heard that from the right. Jack Carr podcast. Um, fake author, but nevertheless, author. No, it's, uh, listen, we're, I bet you somebody's going to walk up and hand you a copy of your book and ask you to sign it when we're in Seattle. We'll see. They sell it in the, they sell it in the team store. Yeah, I haven't seen that book in a while. It, it's actually a pretty cool book. Actually, I don't have a copy, so I might buy book. one and ask you to sign it. You got it. Um, I, might, I might sign it for a fee. For a fee? Uh, big thing we're going to talk about, so I'll just get your little sneak preview. Who's a bigger bust? Who's a bigger disappointment first half of the season, Mets or Padres? Uh, equal. Um, the big... Stephen Cohen coming to New York, buying that team, uh, going over the tops uh, salary-wise. It was kind of, I'm going to show you that I'm going to buy a championship. And the game is showing you that that always isn't the, the case. I that went out never and, works. Every owner does that, Brett. Justin Verlander and Matt Scherzer, both first ballot Hall of Famers, both – Un, have unbelievable careers to expect at their age to be able to keep up that pace this late in the game. I, I think Verlander's 40 years old. Uh, although he's coming off a of Cy Young, that's a high bar and high expectations. Um, Senga's done a nice job in New York, but it just hasn't, it just hasn't clicked for them. So the Mets, and I don't think they're, I don't think it's going to click and I don't think they're going to make a run and make some noise. That's, that's a tough division they're in, uh, in the East over there. 
So I don't think they're going to be a factor this year. I think the Braves got that that division locked down. Barring the Marlins a, are playing well. Marlins are playing great. I don't think that's in the cards for the Mets this year. San Diego. San Diego's puzzling to me because, because they've got the number one. Uh, they pitch number one in the National League, and they hit last. I look at that roster start to, at the beginning of the season when we're Tyler Kepter, we were breaking down the teams. I look at the San Diego Padres on paper with the roster and, and the star power they have in that lineup. Uh, that's the best lineup in baseball potential on what the piece of paper says. That being said, piece of paper isn't always right. They're last. That makes no sense. That that Bogarts, Soto, Machado, Tatis, Cruz. There's no way that that is, you know, middle of the pack. Yeah, they're off to a slow start. To be dead last makes no sense. Impossible. Also, for that Padre pitching staff, I think they need one more pitcher. But going into the season, they were solid. It makes no sense to me that they're number one in the National League in pitching either. I think they're good, but I didn't think they were number one good. So to have the number one pitching in the 14th rank, 14th or 15th rank offense doesn't usually, when you pitch that well, you're usually in the hunt. Right now, they're they're eight games out or nine games out of the wild card, and right. they're more out in the division. The so Giants are doing better than them. The Giants could pitch. But the Padres can pitch. That's why it makes no sense. Usually don't pitch. If you pitch that good, I don't care how decimate or, or bad your offense is doing. Right. You're in the hunt when you pitch that well. Not in the Padres case. It's a it's an exception, not the rule. Let's put it that way this year when it comes to the Padres. Uh yeah, I, I think this city, uh, this Padre, you know, San Diego, the city's been a buzz in, in the last couple of years with this roster they've put together. I'm hearing a lot of behind the scenes stuff's going on. I'm not privy to it. I don't know exactly what the drama is in that clubhouse, but I'm hearing from more than one source that it's really getting bad in the Padre clubhouse. No idea. I, I don't even want to speculate what it is, but uh, I, I've been on some teams where that chemistry is disrupted, where there's some problems in the clubhouse amongst players uh, of, amongst management, uh, coaching staff, managers. I have no idea what it is, but I'm hearing that from more than one source that uh, there's definitely some tension behind closed doors. And and that could be one of the reasons that they're not living up to expectations. To me, it's the, the Padres because they're all in their prime. You said the Mets are a little older. Right. This is prime time for Tatis and Machado and Soto and all the rest of this team. They're poised. The only old man you have on that team really is Hugh Darvish. Hugh Darvish, Snell's pitching like a champ. His last three outings, I don't think he's given up a run. He's been, you know, we've been waiting for that guy, that Snell from Tampa Bay to, to emerge and be Snell from Tampa Bay. And he's been very up and down in his Padre career thus far, his last three outings. I, the Snell has always puzzled me because I watch him. And when he's got his good stuff on any given night, he's Randy Johnson to me. I look right. at him and say, there's no way that stuff should ever struggle. There's no way that stuff that Snell possesses should ever be in the mid fives ERA wise. Uh, but nevertheless, it has been. It's been an up and down battle for him since he's been a Padre. He's starting to put it together right now. His three last outings, he looks like Cy Young. And, uh, you know, for them to have a chance, those Padres, they're really going to have to get on. They're going to have to take this break, this all-star break, rec <laughs> 
boost those batteries, do some soul searching, and come out fire and have a, a, a mega second half if they want to get to the postseason because they, they, they've dug themselves a pretty good hole. All right, let's switch gears. What's Boone watching? We haven't done this for a while because last week we had Aaron on. I got uh, a new one. It, it's really good. We're going to Hulu. We're going to Hulu. This is Hulu. the guy that I've been a fan of uh, for a lot of years, and it's uh, Jeff Bridges. He's older now, but it's called The Old Man. And it's something, Rich, you would really like. If you guys out there like thrillers, like Terminal List, that type of, of Navy SEAL type stuff, uh, government ops and, and just conspiracies and going down rabbit holes, you'll like this. So far, I'm on, I just finished episode four. Jeff Bridges, tremendous. Um, so I'm I'm locked in. I, I, I think there's a season two, but I'm in through four episodes of season one, and it's 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 really good. And what's it on? Hulu. All right, I'm writing this down. You've been pretty good with your recommendations. Oh, I'm star when it comes to. to, to <laughs> uh, I got them yeah. all down. <laughs> couple of a uh, couple of notes for the podcast. By the way, reminder to everybody: if you love the podcast, please. Leave us a rating. That's how we grow the podcast. That's how that algorithm tells more people about this podcast so they can discover it. Uh, make sure you leave a rating. Give us five stars and a review and recommend it and share with all your friends. Uh, we've started a fourth episode every week. So Monday, Tuesday, Brett uh, sits down with his friends in the world of sports. Friday, he and I sit down, hang out Saturday because we've done over 300 episodes. We go into the film vault and we do the best of podcast and uh, it's been great. Uh, I think Reggie Jackson last week into the archives. It's called yes, Reggie Jackson. Uh, this week will be part two of George Brett. And then uh, next Saturday, I think uh, as of now, it could change. Uh, will be Johnny bench who, who is one of my favorite. It was one of my favorite to date. So yeah, it's just another dimension to the podcast and, and people that are new to it. Uh, I kind of pick some of the older ones for, from a couple of years ago that I really enjoyed and, and uh, hopefully you like them. Okay. Rich, uh, this is great. You're like, you're like a walking infomercial. I thank you very much. Like my breezy shirt. Um, couple great guests we've had on lately. I just wanted to get your reaction. You got completely out of your comfort zone, but I was so happy. We had Jack Carr on the author of the terminal list and in, in his new book, New York times, bestselling author, uh, Navy SEAL. I wanted to get your reaction to being able to sit down and talk with uh, a Navy SEAL. I love that type of stuff because, you know, I love the baseball players because that's right up my alley. It's easy. It's my life. It's always been my life. I, I like talking to athletes from other, other, other the major sports. That's fun for me. I like bringing the, the actors on, you know, one of my favorites is having the, uh, Michael Francis, the the mobster. Yeah. That that was cool. That was fun. But Jack Carr is, is different. Terminal List is the reason we got him on because I watched it and, and then I realized he had six books out and each one's going to be made a, a series about. So he was really interesting guy to me. He was a Navy SEAL. Uh, he talked me through because I'm I'm pretty much a, a layman when it comes to uh, Navy SEALs and, and what's what goes on. You know, I've seen the shows. I've seen Sniper. I've seen GI Jane. Um, but truly what it's like, uh, 
to, to and and it was it was cool because he said when he was seven years old that's he knew he was going to be a navy seal and i said well kind of like a, me in baseball i knew i was going to be a baseball player i didn't aspire to be a baseball player i didn't hope one day i could be a baseball player no it was a fact at seven no i've already written out my life and i'm going to be a baseball player now pretty naive approach to life <laughs> but i look back and go well, I was just naive enough to to get it done. He said it was the same thing. It wasn't a matter of if. And and it's interesting when he's talking about that that training and watching guys ring that bell to to be a seal. He said it was never quit. an option. So if you it's ring like, the bell, if there's you not ring the any bell, pain. You, you, you quit. Can, right. right. He said there was never an option. He said when I was hurting, he said it never dawned on me that this may be not for me. This is something I was born to do. I was going to be a seal, and it didn't matter how much you hurt me. The option of quitting wasn't there. So, like I said, he he had foreseen this as a kid. And it wasn't, oh, I hope to be a Navy SEAL. It's like, no, when I become a Navy SEAL. Then he talks about his career uh serving his country and it and then he then he had an inclination and he said, You know, Brett, I was when, when I was a SEAL, I thought when I'm done, I want to be an author and I want to write these thrillers and and I want uh, Chris Pratt to play. Uh, my thriller, and I wrote this all pen to paper. Fuquata he said, sure, be the Fuquata it, be the uh, the director, right? And sure enough, it it all came to fruition. I mean, that's that doesn't happen every day. But and but he said once once again, it wasn't a matter of no. I'd like Chris Platt, Pratt to play it. I'd like it. I, I'd like uh, you know Amazon to take my book and turn it into a series. No, that's already going to happen. It's just a matter of when. So pretty cool. Pretty cool story. I thought it was interesting. All done very in a very humble manner, too. Yeah, I can't. I, we he has to come back on the program again, but I thought it was very interesting the yeah. conversation that the two of you had about. Uh, no, I'm going to be a baseball player. I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. I've heard this about uh, rock and roll musicians. I think Mike Zagaris. Remember we had Mike Zagaris on Z. Right. I right. think he told us this that Mike Zagaris is the uh, photographer for the Oakland A's and San Francisco 49ers and been around oh, the rock and roll world forever. But the rock stars that make it don't have a backup plan. So it's either I'm going to make it as a rock star or I'm going to die trying. I'm going to die trying. You right. as a baseball player, because you had counselors like, okay, Brett, that's fine. You want to be a baseball player, whatever, little kid. What else are you going to do? Right. Jack Carr, same thing. All right, listen, that's great. 80% washout of Bud's basic underwater uh, demolition seal training um what are you going to do when you wash out and for you you didn't have a backup plan no uh for him he didn't have a backup plan um and those that don't have a backup plan are either gonna are gonna get it done or they're gonna die trying yep so i thought that was i thought that was pretty interesting um jay johnson just came on it was a special bonus episode we did uh the we just released you should check it out you got a chance to talk to the uh, national champion, head coach, LSU, Bengal Tigers, win the national championship. And I thought that was one of the best podcasts we've had in a long time. Well, it's cool. I mean, just kind of reminiscent on my college career. I never got to the College World Series, but we talked about, you know, as a high school kid, you look up to those guys. For me, it was I'm watching Pete Cavilia and Robin Ventura and, and Will Clark you know, win the college world series, always Rosenblatt stadium back then. Now it's a, it's a new stadium, but that was the ultimate, you know, uh, short of being, it, being a major league player and going to the real world series, that college world series was it when you were a kid. 
And uh, for him to live out, it, it was similar for him. He was a he was a college baseball player, second baseman, and he got to live out that not as a player, but he got to live it out as as a coach. And he, he just told me how special it was, and and when it finally happened, uh, how cool it was. Yeah, we're he was nice enough to come on. Just I reached days out after winning the college world series. He won a Monday night. I sent him a text. I was getting on the plane. I sent him a text on Tuesday and uh, he got back to me. He said, I'd love to do it. So I said, I know you're busy. And he said, I got 500 messages on one phone and 700 on the other. And I said, and you took the time out. And I appreciate that though, that those stories, you know, these up to date and especially college world series. Cause, because I watched so many of them as a kid, uh, I thought it was cool that 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 we got him on right after it happened. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, speaking of guests that we have coming up, uh, Grady Fuson. This I can't wait for this one. It's so, a really good one. I yeah. just I just shot this today, and it it really takes you behind the scenes. We got the major league draft coming up a week from Sunday. Uh, for those of you listening to the podcast, this will be Friday, uh, a week from Sunday. The major league draft, the ninth, is coming out. And Grady, I wanted to have a draft special. And Grady Fuson is the guy that came to mind for me. I got a chance to work with him in 14 and 15 with the Oakland A's. He's a seasoned scout. He's he's an assistant general manager. He's he's done it all in the scouting world from from uh, area scout to cross checker to to head of head of scouting. You know the scouting director. Uh, he's done it all. Right now, he's a special advisor to the Oakland A's, but he's he's all he's done of, everything. He takes us behind the scenes of that war room. What's it like? What's it really like uh, when when the Oakland A's are on the clock? And and he breaks it down for us. I couldn't imagine a better guy to kind of not only not only educate me on the process, but educate the public on what really happens. And and Grady, that was really cool when I was thinking about what can we do special on the podcast that's current. And uh, with the draft coming up, why not have Grady Fuse on? To, to, you know, we're going to have Tyler Kepner and myself break down the first half of the MLB. Uh, let's have a draft special, and who better than Grady Fuse on? So that's really cool. And, and we got to talk about Moneyball. He was portrayed in Moneyball. Um, <laughs> well, let me just watch it, and you'll see how true was Moneyball. How realistic was the Moneyball plot, uh, and how much was it Hollywood? So that was really cool. We got some good ones. We got Louis Tiant coming up great career yeah he play, i remember at 13 years old my dad got traded to the angels and he played one year with louis but uh i i haven't shot that yet i'm really interested to see how he's doing he's 82 years old now right you know 19 years in the big leagues uh great the cubano yeah the big the great cubano his life in cuba growing up he grew up till 16 years old he lived in cuba pre-castro so i'm really interested to see what 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 was it like growing up in cuba then all of a sudden uh the revolution happens and you can't go home and you can't see your parents for 14 years so all these questions i have for him they haven't been answered yet but i'm looking forward to it no that's going to be great all right real quick before we get out of here we got to figure out what's boone approved so let me go back to the college world series Okay. Now, folks, we talked about how vain Brett is now that he's gotten fat over the last couple of days and he needs to go on a diet because he needs to look good by the time we get to see right, that's for the All-Star fat. game. That's enough fat stuff, Rich. <laughs> yeah, well, you're not, you, you can't borrow my clothes yet, so you're okay. No. Once you get to start wearing clothes my size, then we'll call you a fat ass, but until then. I'd but I do want to ask you this because you, you are known for having uh, cool hair. Frosted tips, which was your thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Little bleach in the front of your hair. Yeah. Um, I noticed during the College World Series, the flow is the new big thing. You know, the big mullet out the back, the flow. Right. 
So I want to know, is the baseball flow Boone approved? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I did in, in, I did the bleach tips when I was playing. I did it every three weeks. We had the, we had the girl that, that, uh, that bleached my hair come to the ballpark in Seattle. And it was just part of my persona, you know, it was just shtick, but it was part of my persona. But a lot of guys in baseball were doing it at that time. And, and I think it's, I think it's cool. I mean, for a while it was the heavy beards and everybody had the beard. Now it's the flow. Uh, it's just kind of the culture and what's going on in baseball right now. So yeah, I'm sure if, uh, I was playing college baseball right now. I'd be a flow guy. I'd have the flow <laughs> working. So, yeah, I think it's fun. These guys are young, having a great time, the time of their life. Uh, so, yeah, definitely Boone approved on on the current, whatever the current haircut is. And I kind of like the, uh, you know, my kids recently have gotten semi-mullets. And I was trying to explain to them. I said, you know, I had a real the twins in, in the mid 80s. They were real mullets where they shaved the side tight on top and then long in the back. Weak. I mean, a brutal era, I thought, but now they've, they've modernized the mullet. So you got a little more length, like they give you the mullet. Judah came back. My son, Judah came back with a mullet the other day. And I thought, you know, mullets are, are kind of uncool for a long time, but I kind of like it. And these guys, these kids are starting to wear little semi mullets. Now I kind of like them. I think they're cool. They'll be out of, they'll be out of style uh, as long as they're in. So like that, but, but I think that's part of growing up and, and, I don't know. I think it's fun. So that all that stuff's approved by me. Business in front. Party in the back. Party in the back. There you go. All right. That's going to do it for uh, Turning 2 with Booney this week. Uh, next week, we'll have a bunch of great shows, including uh, coverage of the All-Star Game from Seattle. Brett and I will be up there, so we look forward to talking to you then. Until then, uh, thanks for joining us. Brett, thank you so much. Thanks to Mike, our producer. And we'll catch you next time right here on the Brett Boone Podcast.